You ever been walking through the Navy Exchange and wonder why all the Naval Pride and Heritage gear is horrifically ugly and you wouldn't actually wear it? Have you ever wanted some really cool gear and you just don't know where to go? Well, I got you, fam. Go to dgutsapparel.com immediately. Get yourself some Naval Pride and Heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. Uh, we're working on new designs all the time, open to ideas. We're trying to create a brand that uh, lets you display that pride, but doesn't make you cringe. Uh, also, if you're willing to and you're able to, please go to patreon.com slash podcast, pick one of the five tiers and become a patron today. What's up, everybody? Let's spin some yarn. We're back. Uh, sorry for not announcing my holiday break. I always forget to do that for some reason. And then I always get messages going, hey, man, where you been? How you doing, Yoke? Everything OK? And it's like, yeah, man, I'm just taking I take December off like every year. Um, it just feels like the right time to do it. Uh, I have a lot going on like everyone does during the holidays and I don't want to be trying to like figure out a way to make time to do podcast stuff. And then also just, I just need a break. I mean, I need to step away from this stuff, uh, sometimes. So, um, so yeah, we're back. Uh, I've did a bunch of podcasts this week for other platforms. So you'll see me out there in the, in the Navy internet ether on a couple of, platforms and then and i'll post those on social media when they when they get published but um today i'm gonna do several spin the yarns today but the one i'm gonna focus on i mean i'm not gonna release them all today but i'm gonna record today or tomorrow or something but um so while i was on leave (laughs) while i was taking my break uh a bunch of stuff happened and one of the things that i saw kind of everybody freaking out about was this nav admin on converting a portion of the inactive reserve to active reserve time uh in the because normally like if you enlist in the military it's always been this way it's like you enlist in the military um or well it's been that way for a really long time anyway but you enlist in the military so let's say you do a four-year enlistment you're incurring an eight-year obligation but four of those are inactive reserve which is like you're a civilian unless world war three happens then they're going to call you back and they can and that's the obligation part but the uh and a lot of people don't even know that, like and a lot of people don't pay attention or don't remember or whatever. But um, apparently I- I'm reading the nav admin and it sounds like the way it's worded sounds like um, every contract that they wrote, they wrote this way starting October 1st of 2020, which is the start of the fiscal year, which kind of makes sense because the funding aspects would be different. But the it sounds like they already wrote the contracts that way and they're just publishing this as some kind of like uh housekeeping like administrative housekeeping type thing just to let people know because like they're starting to matriculate out of those contracts now and so some people are probably like what i'm not doing the active reserves and they're like yes you are but also i like it seemed a lot of the way people were digesting it and and then relaying that on the internet was that they just arbitrarily changed it up which I mean, I quickly read this and I didn't uh, I didn't get that from because it just says they were written to include a minimum of four years active duty followed up by two years of sellers and then two at two years inactive reserve. And it also looks like to me that uh, it includes like a deployment waiver like so you can't even though you're in selective reserve if the you know world's exploding, which I'm sure they can like undo this. But it says um you'll get yeah two-year deferment from involuntary mobilization if you're transitioning from active duty to cell res so like 
you have to do that two years in cell res, but they can't involuntarily mobilize you, meaning they can't bring you back on active duty or whatever, which again, I'm sure they can just find a way around that if World War Three happens. But like I saw a lot of people freaking out about this, like they just arbitrarily decided your contract said something different um that's not what i got from this and i'm not sure to be honest with you i'd have to i might go dig through some of my old paperwork and see if i can find one of my contracts just to see um because i would have my last re-enlistment would have would have been outside that window though so i don't really know what how they're written so if anybody has a, a contract from after october 1st of 2020 that they can like look at and see it's like i'm curious to know if they're if they just dropped an admin saying, actually, your contract that you signed changed without your your permission or uh, agreement, or if it's just that's how they wrote them and they're releasing this nav admin as like a housekeeping item, because that's that's how I read it. Um, I, and I'm not like I'm not saying it's cool or whatever, because uh, I'm sure they accidentally forgot to make it uh, a focal point during the enlistment process for that member to know. But, you know recruiting <laughs> um but also that this that the the reason i bring this up at all really because i don't like i don't think this is a huge deal unless they actually changed it without changing like without like like the contract says one thing and they're just saying actually we're going to do something else and you just get to eat it that's a different thing that i feel like is worth people freaking out about but yeah the way i process this it was like oh yeah they just just so just so you know this is what happened and you signed a contract that's that said you agreed to this and this is just like a this is how it's going to work now that we're at the point where it's starting to happen i guess i don't know which I, uh, then it begs the question why they even release an have admin so maybe i'm misinterpreting it and if i am let me know like if somebody can show me a contract or verify that that's what it says i'd, lo I'd love to see it um, but yeah, it, th this brought up the, just the idea of this concept brought up to me that um, the bigger issue of manning and retention yet again. Right. And I've mentioned it in some podcasts um, and like I, I don't think that a lot of people are thinking about it this way or, or recognize that this is probably why or I, in my analysis is why. Um, we're having the manning and retention problem we're having. And it's not the only reason, but I think it's an enormous reason is when they came out with blended retirement, right? Which is the system that replaces the legacy 20 years and I get a pension system as of, I want to, I think it's some t end of 2017 or something like that. People enlisting had to be, could be in the blended retirement system, right? So if you do the math, it's like, actually, I think I, I have it up. Um, cause it, I, I was, I was actually having a hard time finding the stuff and I didn't want to go digging for the nev admin, but, um, it looks like they had, to op people that had an opt in option had to opt in by December 31st, 2017, I think it looks like they're opt in eligible if they entered the military honor before so everybody after so basically january 1st 2018 and on was forced into the blended retirement system is the way i'm reading that anyway um so if you do the math you have 2018 2019 2020 21 22 23 and now we just are going into 24 but like let's just count 23 so you're at like about six years going into year seven since this has been a thing so if you do that math 
if I do a four-year hitch on a ship and then do a three-year shore duty, what time is it? It's time to go home if I'm going to not re-enlist, right? So what you've been seeing happen is the people that either opted in or the people that joined after that time frame, the, both of those groups are running for the hills now, right? Like they're you they when they created the system and made it mandatory because the opt-in thing is one thing right like if somebody knows they're not going to do a full career when they join and then they don't change their mind if they opt in opt into blended retirement you, like we didn't really lose anything and they gain something and then they're you know evangelizing all the benefits of just doing one enlistment and that would help enlistment <laughs> right but that when they made it mandatory presumably just because it saves the government money which it does otherwise they wouldn't have done it um, it incentivized separating from the military. And you can even go back further in time. And I, I do when I make this argument is the post 9-11 GI Bill is where it started, right? I, I've gone, I've said it a bunch of times. Like if the post 9-11 GI Bill existed when I got to the end of my first submarine, I would have ran for the hills. If it subsequently existed when I got to the end of my first shore duty, I would have run for the hills. So that is, that piece is big for people getting out of the military. Um, it it pays. It you can actually afford all of college instead of just part of it because the the Montgomery GI Bill, the legacy version, was like twenty six grand total. I mean, that's not. I couldn't get my culinary associates degree for that, let alone a bachelor's degree, right? And there, I'm sure there are places you can, but I'm just saying, like, it, it's not enough money to go to most institutions. So post nine eleven GI Bill comes out and fixes that. And subsequently incentivizes people if they want to do something else to get out, go to college, receive E5BAH while they're doing it. So they don't got to work a part time job and just go to school and like live in the dorm and do all those things. Right. Um, or live wherever and, and get a part time job or whatever. It, it, it made it very, very doable and desirable for people to just get out and go to college. So a lot of people started doing that. Right. So that was the first time we shot ourselves in the foot. And I, I, I'm not saying we shouldn't have the post 9-11 GI Bill. I'm just saying it makes it a lot more attractive for a first term service member to get out of the military. Um, then the second thing that happened was blended retirement, right? When they made the blended retirement system mandatory for everybody that came in after like so 1 January 2018 is what it looks like. All of those people no no longer they they don't have any incentive outside of just like a sense of you know like patriotism or being something a part of something greater than themselves or they're one of those psychos that just loves everything about the military. Those people are the only ones incentivized to stay in the military just by some sense of duty and whatever. And even those people of which I count myself apart are getting out because it's it's just too hard on you physically mentally whatever right and i want to make more money and all this other stuff but the big stuff was my physical and mental health so it's just like it's like they keep rolling out these programs with this short-sighted goal of like saving themselves money or like and like post 9-11 gi bill wasn't about saving money it was about taking care of veterans and just got you know like that was more like a congress thing i think than uh it, you know, the military wasn't coming up with that, but those things both removed every incentive that exists 
every meaningful incentive that exists to stay in the military for a career to do like 20, 20, 30 years or whatever. Um, because you're not getting a pension anymore. Like you're just getting whatever you get from that through a savings plan thing. Well, if I can get out using post 9-11 GI bill to, uh, get a college education or go to a trade school or get some other kind of training to make way more money and have a way higher quality of life than I did in the military and then continue to invest in retirement accounts just like I did with the blended retirement system TSP with whatever the I forget the how that all works I think they do matching contributions and all this shit but like they're way ahead than they would be if they stayed in the military. Now, if the legacy retirement system was still an option, that's not true. Because what they teach you in TAPS for old guys like me is like my master chief pension at current current day value when I was in TAPS was like 1.8 million or something. As an, If you consider it like an annuity that pays out at the rate my pension pays me every month. And you just like, I think I put, I did, I did the calculator and it was like, I put like a, a age of death at like 70, 80 and 85 or so. I'm not making it to 90, but like, let's be honest, but like, I just did some projections and it's about 1.8 million and then adjusted for inflation over that period of time. It's like th- a little over 3 million. So it's like I, the odds I'm going to save that via just investing um, like it's, it's possible, but I mean, realistically, probably not. I'm, I'm an idiot. Like I'm not an investor. Like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm barely financially literate. So it's like, I wouldn't have been the guy that beat the market or whatever, or figured out a way to accumulate that type of money. And I wasn't thinking that hard about it. Um, like I put money in TSP when I was young, but I'm just saying, like, I wasn't thinking a lot about it when I was that young, I was partying and just being an idiot. And, um, you know, I have a divorce on my record and all kinds of other shit. So like, I, I didn't, you know, like, I don't even know if I had been super thrifty and, and planned ahead if like post-divorce, it, I probably still would have been in the same place. So it's just like, man, I, you, you can't expect people to stay in if there are no incentives to stay in. And it, it's not like, I brought up recently, I saw this little clip uh, of Simon Sinek talking about financial in, financially incentivizing military retention, right? And he said, uh, he was using the SEAL community as an example because he's worked a little bit with the military and it's all, everybody always wants to work with, you know, the special forces guys because it's sexy or whatever. Um, so they, he was talking about like how they started incentivizing uh them reenlisting like on a huge scale i mean they were there's a time and they probably still are given just enormous like like six figure enlistment bonuses or reenlistment bonuses for those guys because they have such specialized training they're so rare to find we've already trained them up they've already got qualified and progressed and done all these things so it's like they're very very valuable to the to the military um so they were trying to use these huge reenlistment bonuses to keep these guys in and he said when he talked to him about it their answer was one fuck you that's not why i do this and then they got out anyway or two fuck you that's not why i do this but i'll take your money and just go home in a couple of years anyway you know and so like financially incentivizing it at at all like it doesn't always work that doesn't mean it won't work i i know people personally that re-enlisted just for the money i'm looking at you nukes like <laughs> they, they live to regret it usually but like there's a lot of people that stay in for the money um, and the stability and all these other things, but there's, there's also a component of it that, um, 
is the sense of belonging and the tribe and all that kind of stuff. So like, and the sense of doing something bigger than yourself and contributing to the nation's defense and blah, blah, blah. So like the, and, and I think the main point here is not that like financial incentive incentives don't work at all. Cause you can incentivize staying in with money and it, it kind of works. It, it definitely, um, it definitely affects the calculus, but it's not, it's probably not the primary thing for most people, but they're not just they're not just not incentivizing things financially to stay in like they're trying that recently they've been you know there's the memes about like they're giving six figures to mouth breathing kids that aren't even in the military but i'm in and you're not paying me better you know that kind of shit but um so they are it's not like they're not trying to use financial incentives but um they're actively incentivizing you getting out of the military right like oh hey i could give you 50 grand 100 grand 150 grand to stay here and continue to endure this pain and do so with the near certainty that it's just going to continue to get worse because manning and retention is getting even worse the op tempo is not slowing down the conflicts going on in the world are not you know (laughs) lessening so it's just like it, it, people see the writing on the wall. They're very, very in tune with the fact that um, this isn't like it's not an organization that is built to take care of their physical and mental health and and quali- like give them the quality of life and time with their family that they want. And so people are and oh, by the way, we're it for whatever reason, actively incentivizing people getting the fuck out of the military. It's like you you can't look at the blended retirement system, the post 9-11 GI Bill, and oh, by the way, like the people's awareness of the VA disability benefit system is skyrocketing. Thank you, Internet. Right. So it's like I, I, I can get like I, I got out of the military. Right. And, and granted, I'm a, a unique case in that I retired on the legacy system. So I get a healthy pension every month. I get. I'm 100% disabled because of all my maladies, which you, if you're a regular listener, you're, pr- you're pretty aware of. So I'm 100% disabled, so I get a healthy check from the VA, and I'm going to college full-time, so I get another healthy check from wherever those benefit. I don't know, somewhere, the Department of Education or something. So, like, I don't have to work at all. So, and I get to, like, grow a beard, do the podcast, sleep in, like, enjoy my life to spend all the time with my wife and my fur babies. So it's like, it's a pretty great life. When you're thinking about somebody that's early on just kind of starting out their adult life, it's like you and you set them up in this way where they're 23 and they have the post 9-11 GI Bill or 20, not even 18, 19, 20. Yeah, like 21, 22 when they're at the end of their first enlistment. Um, and so 18, 19, 20, 20. Yeah, so like 22, 23 maybe. Depends on what time. It fucking depends on what time. I'm going off 18. It depends on when you join. But anyway, like you're you're pretty young. You're in your early 20s when you get at the end of your first enlistment. And you can leave with however much money you have in this TSP blended retirement account system. So you're already working towards retirement at that super young age. And you have all that time to incur the compound interest associated with an account like that. And you have the post 9-11 GI Bill, which will pay the highest in-state tuition wherever you are and give you a book stipend every month uh, and give you the BAH every month for an E5 in whatever area, which is like thousands of dollars a month to just go to school. And um, then there's the VA part of it, which 
for people that aren't aware, if you're not getting a pension like me, any disability percentage is a check in your bank account every month. You get 10% disability and you're going to get a couple hundred dollars a month, right? But for guys with pensions, you got to get past 50% for it to be on top of your pension. Otherwise, it just displaces it as like tax-free money. So all these kids at the end of one enlistment don't have a pension coming because they were forced into the blended retirement system. So like they're going to get a check from the VA if they get any disability rating. And once you're beyond a pretty low percentage, I always forget what it is, but it's like 30% or below. I can't remember the exact number. Um, you can apply for what's called chapter 31 benefits, which is essentially like a second, even better GI bill. It's called vocational rehab. Uh, and that's what I'm using to go to school right now. I haven't even touched my post on 11 GI bill and it's better in that, uh, I get all those other things, right? Except I don't pay for any books or materials or paper clips or pens or anything. And every three years they'll buy you a computer and a printer. And there, I mean, I get a free parking pass at school. Like I get all kinds of sweet benefits from this program. So it's like, why would you stay in the military unless you're like called to serve and you know what I mean? Like what I'm the way I'm approaching this is like just a person evaluating their life and thinking about what they're going to do. And when the organization treats them the way that they do, why would you stay? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like people, people at first will join for that, like the patriotism, the pull to, to serve their country, do something great to themselves. And part of that idea gets romanticized a bit in your mind. And then when you get into the military actual and you have to deal with that on a daily basis, the way the organization treats you, the way the leadership treats you, right? It like grinds you up and spits you out. It treats you like a consumable resource. So when you get that to the end of that first enlistment, most people feel betrayed and jaded and bitter and they're ready to run for the hills. So then they get out and they evangelize the don't ever fucking join the Navy message or military in general to all these people who then go like all the new recruitable sailors that exist in the or military members period that exist out there. Like there's not there's lots of conversations about how the recruitable population is already really low. Right. There's a very tiny part of a one percent of the population of the United States that is even recruitable at all. That population being young and tech savvy and having internet access everywhere on every device they touch and everything they go places like reddit discord shoot me an email shit like that or because of the you know war on terror and all that stuff there's a lot of veterans kicking around out there and they just go find somebody they know that's been in the military in the last like five years and they ask them questions right but the internet has been the biggest biggest motivator here i think is like people go to reddit and they don't just get one answer they don't just get one person saying, don't do it, man. It's not worth it. Run, go to college, get, do a trade, become a plumber who gives a fuck. Don't join the military, right? You, you don't get just one of those. You get like a hundred and you get like detailed stories and accounts. And then they ask more questions and they get more replies about what their military experience was like. And all these people who they this person soliciting this information believes was in the military and uh, the vast majority of them are. I'm sure there's some trolls out there, but yeah, like they get relayed these incredible stories about the horrible experiences that these people have had in the military and the veterans do that because of the way they were treated, how they were made to feel by the people that were supposed to care about them, by the organization they gave the, the prime of their youth to, right? And they're then evangelizing this don't ever fucking join the military message. So you've, you've got this like perfect storm of circumstances 
that are are just built to incentivize people to just not be in the navy um you could make a case for things like like wages went up a lot during after covid because of all the people that were like quitting their jobs and all this stuff but man i like there's so many things that have all conspired to create this perfect environment to just like like why would you stay in you know what i mean like because if you're that person at the end of your enlistment like i feel like most people are to an extent you get to the end of your first enlistment and you've been treated this way and you just feel like this angst and bitterness towards the organization and you're just like fuck i just want to get out of here so bad right and you have like unlike me and the people like me of my generation that in the military generation that all we had was the Montgomery GI Bill and the end of list and like maybe the VA stuff existed like it does now back then but no one knew about it to my not like I'd never heard about this stuff to me VA disability was like you get blown up or something or you get injured or something happens where you can't continue to work and you get like medically retired or something and like healthcare after you're not in the military anymore that's what the VA was in my mind um, so like no one's aware of that the, the Montgomery GI Bill was garbage. Um, and so my thing was, well, I'm an E5. I'll go to shore duty, get paid as an E5, still have TRICARE, use tuition assistance and top up with my GI Bill, get a degree and then then I'll get out. Um, and that's just not how it worked out for me. Long, boring story. But I got married and thought I was going to have a family and felt an obligation to stay in. And um, yeah, post 9-11 was I don't think it was real yet. It might have been. I don't know. Um, anyway, the it, I just think it's it's shocking to see that like not a lot of people are talking about this one, but two that they're so like like how did we get here? How did we get to this place where like I I want to believe there's somebody in that blended retirement decision making meeting that was like, hey guys, in about seven years we're gonna be fucked. But like, maybe they thought it and didn't say it. I don't know. Maybe they just found some way to use some metric to say that they could either mitigate it or that it wouldn't actually be a problem or whatever. But like, just the blended retirement decision would have been enough, I think, to be a manning and retention issue, to create a manning and retention issue. But then you, when you factor in post 9-11 GI Bill is real, um, the VA benefits, the rising awareness of all the VA benefits is real. There's a lot of like state level benefits and just all these other benefits that people don't even know about scholarships and grants coming out the woo, coming out of the woodwork, right? Like it's just shit. There's so many incentives to get out and leverage the benefits of service uh, to move on and have a, a successful and much lower stress life, depending on what career field you choose. So yeah i i think it's it's nonsensical it's silly and just further reinforcement of if you ever needed leadership development and education to unfuck the the leadership interactions and the way that these people leave the military feeling so that they then subsequently evangelize the don't ever join the military message and here's why if you could if you could change that to people that that move on maybe because of the incentives, maybe because of other circumstances, maybe they were never staying to begin with, or even the retirees, right? Like guys like me that like, I tell people what it's really like. I, I'm not sugarcoating it. I'm not like 
trying to make people drink the Kool-Aid um, based on some like recruiting poster message. I'm telling them what it's really like. Like, I don't regret joining. I don't regret serving. I don't regret staying. But it it has a cost. And I tell them what that cost is openly and honestly. And I, I think that a lot of what you get from from the junior folks getting out and and sharing the message of fuck the Navy or whatever because of their experience. That's a big reason why you're having a problem as well. So it just stacks. You got blender retirement, you got post on 11, you got VA awareness, you've got uh, a whole bunch of angry, bitter veterans out there telling them what it was like to be treated like you're just a fucking name on a watch bill or you're a some type of consumable resource that will get refreshed you know next recruiting cycle or whatever turns out that's not true anymore and the military doesn't know what the fuck to do with their hands um and that's why you're seeing shit like this nav admin and i don't think it's gonna get less weird with time either i think you're gonna if you remember back in like uh I mean, it was during the Iraq war. They started stop lossing people. If you don't know what that is, look it up where they were basically just saying, look, we don't have enough combat troops to continue these missions. And we know your EAOS is, says this, but no, you're not going home because we still need you. And you're like, I, I don't fucking care. I signed a contract contracts over. I'm going home. They're like, no, you're not. It's, it's like, and that's, that's really what happened is they're just like, no, you're not. You're going to go home when we're done with you. And you're just like, what? It was it's nuts. Um, so like if you think it can't get more weird and like dystopian with the oh shit, we don't have enough people to do the thing. So we're going to figure out ways to get people to do the thing. Like, I mean, I to me, and my wife joke all the time. I'm like, God, I like I, she's like, I'm so glad you're retired. I'm like, you know, I'm like one of the first waves of people that get called back. Right. Like I'm on the fleet reserve list for another eight years ish. So if shit pops off and we're at like World War Three, like I'm going to get a phone call. I'm going to be high when it happens <laughs> and I'm going to refuse to shave my beard. But like it's going to happen like or it would happen in that scenario anyway. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I like it's I don't think it's going to get less weird as a result. I, and I think it's just a just fucking incompetence. I, I don't I don't understand how how we're able to get to this point. Just like I don't understand why leadership development and education isn't our number one priority, because it would fix so many of these problems, especially in an environment where we've created all these incredible benefits for separating service members. It's like, I don't have a problem with the programs. I'm actively leveraging them right now, and it's fucking amazing. But in doing those things, which I think are incredible, and I love that they did, and I, I'm very, very grateful for and I'm not just for myself personally, but for, you know, the entire population of people that that use those benefits. It's also a double edged sword of like you can't have a toxic leadership structure and a toxic relationship with those junior people and treat them like they're disposable. Because if they're if they're expendable, they're going to fucking expend themselves and be like, see ya and vote with their feet about your leadership ability. And then what do you do? Because now what they're seeing is there's not just this unlimited resource of new recruits at waiting in line to, to get into the military anymore. That's not real. They're, they're scraping just the bottom of every barrel. So it's like, what is happening? 
my camera thing. Ugh. So I'm recording. I use OBS to record this. And when I did the the thumbs up, it there was like an image on my screen of a thumbs up, like a like a animated like a gif or something. I'm like, what the fuck? Like on the on the the like viewfinder for OBS. And I definitely have not installed anything that allows that. So I'm a little creeped out. Skynet is self-aware. All right. Neat. Um, <laughs> anyway. So yeah, that that's the, the, I'm curious how everybody thinks about this and, and what they think of it. And if they think I'm wrong or right, or I'm missing anything or whatever, because like, I, I think mess, this, this message is just like an appetizer. This, like you're going to do two years of active reserve, whether or not it was in the contract or not is a separate topic, I think, or a separate point in that topic. But the idea that like, you're going to see more and more stuff like this, where they're going to come up with new and exciting ways to keep you in the military. And I think some of them are going to get a little draconian because what at this point, what do they do? You know what I mean? Like, do you hit the undo button on blended retirement? How's that going to work? Um, you can't delete the post 9-11 GI bill. That was a, con a Congress thing. That's like a law. So I, I mean, I guess Congress could undo it, but why would they? Um, yeah, man, I, I don't, I like it's, it's weird. It's, it's weird out there for people that are still in uniform and I don't think it's going to get less weird. And that's why like they're, they've incentivized you getting out, but there's not enough people getting in <laughs> like there's not enough people getting recruited and, and volunteering to join the military either. So what does that look like? I, I don't know. I, I don't think you're going to see a draft unless there's a, a global conflict. Um, but there might be some other super weird stuff. So, yeah, um, I I just think that like, the, the, I guess the two points are it's like just to raise the awareness for the people that are approaching that decision point of like, I don't think it's going to get better anytime soon. I think it's going to get worse. Um, and then, I mean, if the, if, if you see the economy absolutely just mud dart, then that, that'll probably be a driver for more recruitable people to be joining the military. I feel like that's a probably, there's probably a, like a chart out there that illustrates that point. But, um, I think that would help, I guess. But yeah, I just you're what else is going to encourage these people to to join and or stay in? Because the very tiny population that you have out there that's recruitable, a large portion of those are getting their information from the they're searching it out. What's it like to be in the military? Oh, I'll go the same place I do to ask all these questions. Let's go to Reddit. Find the our Navy. Hey, I'm thinking about joining. Don't do it. And you just like see the threat. Go, and it's just like there's a hundred comments telling him not to, not to join. And here's why. And go to college or go to a trade school or do just anything else. Um, and then you also have the people that are nearing the end of that first term that started at the beginning of 2018 or slightly after that nearing the end of those contracts, approaching those decision points. And they're pissed off and they feel taken advantage of rightfully so right um and there's just not enough strong leaders out there who who are stewards of that experience for them that create people that get to that decision point that want to stay in just because they like being in the navy or they found it rewarding and challenging and and worth sticking around for another hitch i don't i mean those people are probably unicorns nowadays so i i just i think it's it's gonna get weird out there um 
but yeah, hit me up. I, I'm very curious to hear what people are thinking. Like, I'm probably missing something too. Uh, so like, I'm just curious, like what, what are people thinking? Are these conversations happening in work centers or in offices, uh, in the chief's mess, in the wardroom, whatever? Um, how do you all feel about it? Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, it's a, it's an interesting thing that I've kind of, it's been a, like a background process in my mind for a long time. And I've found myself discussing it with, uh, some friends and some podcast people here and there more and more. And then I started seeing stuff like this nav admin and just all this other stuff happening and just all the egregious examples of, of leadership, uh, either neglecting their people or taking advantage of their people or actively harming their people or whatever. And I'm going to talk about one later, probably next week, uh, maybe this week of a chief who, uh, was selected for LDO told the mess that when they were chief select and it turned into a super toxic career altering shit show. Um, by no fault of their own. So it's just like that kind of stuff. Like that's the kind of stuff that gets people to that. You like you burn that person, you burned them. And they're like, I don't know that they'll ever get that taste out of their mouth. Like you might, you might be able to like rehab the relationship to a point that they stick around, but fuck man, they're never going to trust chiefs the same way again. It, it's fucked. It, it stuff like that. It's like, yeah, I just, it's tough out there. So anyway, uh, if you need anything from us or provide that feedback and, and start the discussion, hit us up. Don't give up the podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us. Don't give up the podcast. Or you can DM us on Instagram, Reddit, or Discord at DGuts Podcast. Um, if you want to support us, you can go to dgutspodcast.com. There's a donate button in the upper right-hand corner of the website. Or you can go to Don't Give Up the Ship Apparel. It's dgutsapparel.com. Get yourself some naval pride and heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. Um, or... Probably the best method is you can go to patreon.com slash podcast. Pick one of the five tiers, become a member today. Uh, it, it helps in all kinds of ways. You get all kinds of cool benefits as well. You get to interact in ways that you can't as uh, just a passive listener. Um, and we really, really appreciate it. It helps us pay the bills and expand the platform. So, uh, And if you can't spend any money, that's fine. Just like, share, subscribe, review us on all the platforms for all the things, for podcasts, for social media, for like subscribe on YouTube, share the videos, tag your friends and posts, send them links to the podcast, whatever. Um, and then just listening is awesome too. We really, really appreciate you. And it, it does help. It lets me know that I'm not shouting into the abyss. Uh, and we really, really appreciate it. And that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship.